Welcome to episode 244 of the Whatnots Review Show, where every week we pick a story and we talk about it. This could be a movie, TV series, anime, manga, comic book, audio drama, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, and then we come back here and we talk about it. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I am joined, as always, by Kyle Springer. Good morning. Melissa, how's your weekend been? It's been good. I, I treated myself to a lot of shopping. I got Ooh, cool. a Vaporwave ceramic head back there. <laughs> there you go. I see it. I see it. it has all the, the flowers sticking out yeah. of it back there. It's That's a vase. Cool. Yes. Cool. Yeah, I've got my, finally, my ceramic marble looking Greco-Roman <laughs> bust. The ultimate Vaporwave home accessory. <laughs> Good stuff. I I went bowling on Friday night, so wow. my arm is a little bit sore because I haven't done Oof. that in forever. Uh, but that was a blast. And then last night we had some some friends over for dinner, and we had a little uh, fire pit outside, and it was good. It was good. Nice. A little bit hungover this morning, but uh, I am I am doing well. <laughs> so it's been a good weekend indeed. What are we here to talk about this week, Melissa? This week, we are here to talk about the 2007 American legal thriller, Michael Clayton. Don't be hating. It's Michael Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been my goal to make sure that we watch a movie somewhere in our review show history. We watch a winner in every one of the Oscars categories. Yep. And so I pitched you three movies that had won for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, and you picked this one, including its performance by award-winning Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie that I did not know existed until like a few months ago. Um, <laughs> it, it came out in like 2007-ish, I believe yes. you mentioned. Um, and at, at the time, a movie like this would not have caught my attention at all. Just mm -hmm. com not just completely not on my radar. Um, but oddly enough, I finally figured out why, which I'll mention later on. But I, I, I didn't understand it at the time uh, that a number of podcasts that I listened to kept mentioning this movie over the past couple months and like different podcasts on different subject matter just mentioned it or it came up in conversation and yeah they kept saying like oh yeah this is a really really good movie uh yeah the Tilda Swinton won best supporting actress check it out and so I was like okay this you know it, it these were people that I respect their opinion on on movies and video games and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to add this one to my list here. Uh, and then you happened to pitch it. So it was a nice, like pleasant surprise to just be like, Oh, it's Michael Clayton. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've heard of him. <laughs> so yeah, I was excited to pick the, the, this one. Um, and I loved it. I thought Good. it was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have many bad things to say about it. I do have a hot take, which we'll get to in wow. the uh, spoiler section. But um, 
yeah, I, I had a blast with this. I think it is paced really, really well, well. Yeah. I think immediately from the get go, it's very engaging. Um, mm-hmm. I think it it's it's kind of really neat to see how like on the edge of my seat I was through most of this when there's really no like action. There is one thing yes. that blows up, but like <laughs> th- 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 there's no big like action scene. There's no gunfights. There's no fist right. fights. It's yeah, it's just people talking and having conversations. And it's just the intensity and the 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 tension in the situation that I, I, I think is so in, engrossing um, about mm-hmm. this. And yeah, I, I had a blast. What did you think? Nice. It's a very solid film. I did enjoy myself. You're right. This is mild enough in the stakes that I'm hesitant to call it a thriller. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like right on that line where a drama meets a thriller. It's not quite action-packed enough. There is one car bomb and one separate murder other than that, and that's pretty much it. I I It is a very personal look at Michael Clayton. This is another reason I pitched this movie. This has stuck in my head. I've never seen it. I just remember the commercials. And anytime there's a movie where the title is just the character's name, it kind of sticks at me. Like, well, who is that character? What do they do? What makes Michael Clayton so important that the name of the movie is him? This is like you follow one this of, guy. One of the most like unoriginal titles. For movie, right. just Michael Clayton. Just, what? It's not. What it's it not mean? even a name like. It's not even an exciting name like a Napoleon Dynamite all. or an Austin Powers. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you get a very personal look at this guy's life, in that you see him at work, you see him with his son, you see him with his brothers, uh, you see his his gambling habits, all these different parts of his life. But at the end of the day, you're still like, exactly who was Michael Clayton? Yeah. He's kind of guy? an enigma still at the end. I, very solid. I, I enjoyed the turns. It's not super twisty. Like I said, this is right on the line of like thriller. There's some surprises. I don't think it's like twists, turns, shocks, but I do really like how it develops. And I think it's structurally mm-hmm. really interesting. You get uh, the movie starts and then flashes back to four days previously and contextualizes everything you've seen. There's small bits that end up becoming very important in ways you don't see coming. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really cool, cool one indeed. Um, Yeah. Let's do let's do a little plot synopsis for people who uh, still might want to check this one out. Um, So like you, Michael Clayton, go, go ahead. Michael Clayton, he's a fixer for a law firm. Which means he he has a law degree. He is a lawyer, but he's not a traditional lawyer. He just sort of goes in and fixes things. He smooths over messy situations. He classifies himself as a janitor, pretty much. And his law firm's biggest client is this big agricultural, like pesticide manufacturer mm-hmm. who's taking on a class action lawsuit that one of their pesticides is carcinogenic. And the main lawyer who was put on that case has some mental issues and he suffers the psychological break during one of the depositions. And so Michael Clayton has to fly out to where that was in like Wisconsin and kind of smooth it out and explain like, 
you know, my my friend here, like he's a very, very skilled lawyer. He's very dedicated to your case. He does have some mm-hmm. issues. He's been off his medicine. We're going to put him back. You know, we're going to ask him to go back on the medicine. We're going to get him the help he needs. A week from now, he'll be back to the same, you know, the same lawyer you've been working with. Everything's going to be fine. Just be patient. But that man doesn't just go back on his medicine. He's been very affected by this case. The deeper into it, the like years and years after he's been working on it, he realizes no, I am defending the bad guys. And I've put so many hours of my life into defending the bad guys. It really sort of breaks him. Yeah. Uh, and he starts viewing like one of these innocent farm girls whose whose parents and, and siblings have died from cancer due to this pesticide. He starts viewing her as this like pure angelic figure. Like I will do anything to protect her. <laughs> like she is my life's goal now. I'm going to take down this company. To, to save her and to save everybody else. And so Michael Clayton has to kind of clean up after him, kind of chase that, kind of evade the, uh, <laughs> evade the, the pesticide company who were kind of sending goons out after him. Their he's also got fixers, personal problems yeah. with like, uh, he's divorced and he sees his son sometimes. And he's got this sort of a strained relationship with his son. He's got a very strained relationship with his brother. He tried to open a restaurant with his brother and his brother had drinking problems and the whole thing just like went belly up. And now Michael Clayton is in very deep debt trying to settle all the accounts of that restaurant. So there's, there's a lot going on in the man's life. Yeah. Like there's never like it, even almost describing it, it almost feels like, man, this just sounds really boring. Uh, which it's not <laughs> like it's, it, is it, not, no. it, it really is just a fascinating look uh, at this whole situation. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 just packed full of stuff. Um, you know, w- when discussing Star Wars, one of the things that people always mention is that like what made that original trilogy so neat was that everything felt lived in. Uh, and yeah, I, I, th- I think that's something I would say about this movie is that every scene yes. that you get almost feels like you missed the first two minutes in the best yeah. way possible that like it it just it gets straight to like the meat of what needs to happen in each scene. And so you you're you're just kind of like this fly on the on the wall for certain scenes that you're just like, man, this is fascinating. What is happening here? It, yeah. it, it, it seems like he like Michael Clayton almost has some kind of friendship slash relationship with the like detective on the police force over there. That's his that, brother. Like, not that that one, the uh, other one, the like chief or whoever. Um, huh. But 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 yes. Yeah. He has a brother on the police force, too um yeah just all all sorts of stuff you but you you just get these little small glimpses into these scenes and i i i think the movie really treats you it like it 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 puts its trust in you that you will kind of piece things together not in a way that's confusing or like you feel like you're being left behind but it's smart in like what it cuts mm-hmm. out and what it decides to show you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoy this a lot. And I want to say just before we go into our housekeeping break, 
please watch the opening scene of this movie. If you don't know if Michael Clayton is for you, at least start the movie because this is one of the best openers of yeah. any movie I've seen in a while. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so with that, yeah, let's take a quick break for housekeeping. And when we come back, we will start diving into the movie a little bit more in depth. And you guys can hear my hot take. Hot take <laughs> on Michael Clayton here. Uh, so, yeah, we will be right back. Here at The Whatnots, we make multiple different shows, and a lot of hard work goes into making them, so we would love it if you check them all out. If you enjoy our shows, patreon.com slash the whatnots is the best place to show your support. For just a dollar a month, you can get early access to episodes, and at our $3 tier, a Patreon-exclusive podcast, The Pilots Club. You can even get a shout-out and thank you on most of our shows at the $5 tier. And if you're one of our patrons already, Thank you so much. It means the world to us. You can find out more information on our website, thewhatnots.com, as well as your favorite podcasting platform of choice. When you type in The Whatnots, all of our shows will pop up right there. Just don't forget to give us a nice rating and review if you like the shows. You can also find us on YouTube and Twitch for video versions of the shows, trailer reactions, and live streams. And lastly, we have merch. If you want to grab yourself a shirt or a hoodie or a mug or something else, head over to thewhatnots.com slash store to pick up some merch today. All right, and we are back. Once again, a big shout out to all of our Patreon supporters. We love you a lot. Thank you. We, we appreciate you. Um, this month on the Pilots Club, our Patreon-exclusive podcast for those of you at the $3 tier, took a look back at CSI, the original, the pilot for CSI, uh, Gil Grissom. It was good to see him again solving some cases. That was a fun one to talk yeah. about. Yeah, I, Very solid. I, I, I did really enjoy the CSI pilot, having seen none of CSI before. Sure. I was thinking about it this week, and I think CSI is the first... TV show. I, I may have seen it in a Mayobi, but the first TV show I ever saw that did the enhance. Like, can, can, can you <laughs> enhance that that image? And they just like do some magical wizardry on the computer to enhance the image. And that's just totally not how it works at all. I, but it's so why good. wouldn't it just come enhanced to begin with? Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, go check that out. That was a blast. Uh, Melissa, what did we do last week here on the review show? Do, do you want to uh, oh, tell you... him a little bit, bit about that? Yes. Last week, that would have been our ongoing monthly series watching the entire Fast Saga. We covered the fourth, fifth, and sixth Fast and Furious movies. We've been doing those three a month. And at the end of March, we're going to talk about seven, eight, and nine. Hobbs and Shaw's on the table, too. We both intend to watch Hobbs mm -hmm. and Shaw, but we aren't requiring it of ourselves necessarily. And then we'll be all caught up with the franchise. We'll be ready for Fast 10 later this season. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it's It's mm -hmm. been a lot of fun to watch the, the Fast and Furious movies, for sure. Um, but yeah, then over on the Captain's Log, this week, I I I, I have my mind blown. I I I thought a, a, a certain character was a real person, 
Uh, they are not. Perry Mason <laughs> is not real. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we were talking about some stuff that uh, I had been watching um just all all sorts of stuff over there on the captain's log it's always a good time um mm -hmm. and then on the whatnots or reactor core we still have our reactions to the last of us going up every week we are almost done with that the penultimate one is uh tonight the day that we are recording this and the next week uh is the finale uh but fear not because if you want more pedro pascal uh Ignacio and I are planning on doing some reactions to The Mandalorian season three. However, we are letting those stack up a bit mm. before we talk about them. So I think we might do it in like three episode chunks ish. Um, so, yeah, every now and then we'll have that. Uh, and then I, I, I keep getting us hyped for yellow jackets at the end of the month. Yeah. I'm super excited about that one. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. But yeah. That's kind of about it for uh, housekeeping right now. So I say we get into spoilers. All right. So my first note that I have yes. here in, in my notes that I took is this is a Kyle ass Kyle movie. I, I, <laughs> I love this. I, I really Good. did. It's so you love strange. A crime. I I do but i also wouldn't necessarily say this is a crime movie like it yeah it's it, crime it adjacent with that stuff right it's yeah crime adjacent it's I, I think at the start you described this as a legal thriller that's how wikipedia describes it okay well even that i don't know if that's like the most yes. apt description sure he is a lawyer but he's not your typical lawyer yeah there are no courtroom scenes exactly there's no no i object your honor <laughs> like i said it's barely twisty and action-packed enough to get into thriller territory it's a much quieter movie it is about an investigation into a crime but michael layton is not a detective any law enforcement officials are kind of on the fringes right. of the story it's not a traditional cop or lawyer story. They're there, but it's mostly about a guy who legally is a lawyer, but is mostly just just a fixer, just a cleaner, just a guy who's yeah. there to like <laughs> either. It, the truth can be adjusted, says the poster. And I watched exactly. the trailer. I watched the trailer last night. Not a great <laughs> trailer, but it in the video I found is not good quality, even though it was from an official Warner Brothers studio channel. It looks like they just have the version that you would have downloaded in 2007. And you they lost the original like trailer. master trailer, Michael <laughs> Clayton. But it does say this, like the taglines in the trailer are something like he's spent his career hiding the truth. Now he has to be the one to find it. Yeah. It's, it, it's just, it has like all the right pieces for me to be interested in this stuff yeah crime adjacent like legal thriller adjacent it is a thriller but it's not yeah like it's not twisty so I, I yeah but it like it just has enough of all of that stuff that i'm like i like this 
I am into this. This is cool. Mm-hmm. It's it's intelligent. It's competent. It's like tightly scripted and paced really well. It it yeah. I like it. I I feel like it treated me as if I was smart, which there's some yes. movies that absolutely don't do that and hold your hand the entire way and try to explain everything. Um, and this does not. This does not explain stuff or. Um, even in a weird way, I'm often someone who really wants a movie or a TV series to slow down, explore the world a little bit more, explore the characters, give them these like moments to really flesh out who they are. And in a weird way, this does not have that pacing, Mm. but it does it. Even still, like I the the stuff about his gambling debts in this, you really don't mm-hmm. need to know that for the plot. Uh, but it's it's still such a fascinating look at Michael Clayton and what kind of person he is. Like they still manage yeah. to have those moments without it feeling like everything has slowed down or they're kind of taking a detour to go explore some other part of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was just like, oh, this is great. I love this. Yeah, I I everything does have value. Like the storyline about he is actually he has had like a gambling problem in the past that he has worked past. I think at one point he tells somebody like, I haven't been in a poker game in like a year or two years yeah. or whatever. Like he is on his way to to gambling sobriety as it is, and it's his deal with his brother's restaurant that goes under. And he has to get a loan to like close out all the debts of the restaurant. And that's what puts him in debt. And that's what makes him go back to gambling. Like, what can I do to get the I need seventy five thousand dollars in a week or something like that. And that gives real stakes to his dealings with his law firm where they're like, we are going to offer you this new deal where you don't breathe a word of what's been going on to anybody. Uh, but also like the, no action will be taken against you. You'll be safe. You'll be protected. We're going to give you the loan for the money you need. And you stick this out. Like we're going to give you a promotion or we're going to give you a raise. Like you will have something Michael Clayton, if you stick with us and knowing that background about the, the restaurant and everything, like it, it makes you really empathize with him and understand when he agrees to sign those papers. To say, yeah. yes, I'll keep quiet. I won't breathe a word of these uh, crimes to anybody else. What our what our client has been doing, the proof that uh, Arthur, the other lawyer, has found saying, yeah, they absolutely knew that pesticide was carcinogenic and they still put it out on the market. Like he agrees to keep quiet about that on paper to to save his ass, you know, <laughs> to, to, to clear out all his debts, to make sure nothing comes against him and his family. And then later you learn he's got that backup plan to still take down that company. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I had a blast with this. Here's my hot take, though. OK. Uh, so you, you you pitch this to me for best supporting actress. Uh, Tilda Swinton in this is phenomenal. Uh, she's always an incredible actress. I've had my mind blown by some of her performances (laughs) in the past here on this show. Yes. Um, And I have to say, I thought she was. 
best supporting actress. She's barely in this. I, I, well, that's the point. <laughs> like, but supporting can be any size of performance from your second or third lead to you truly are coming in for a couple scenes. I think she gives an appropriately, this is an appropriately sized best supporting actress performance. Like this typically is the amount that a, a person is in the movie. Like I, I think I was expecting more and I was expecting another kind of like mind blowing performance by her. And she <laughs> she's is secretly she's, another character, right? She is Michael <laughs> Clayton. You thought that was George <laughs> Clooney. No, um, no. Like I, I like I, again, she's great in, in this. I'm not mm. saying her performance was bad, but I think she was just in the movie so little that she had like, all right, I liked that one scene at the start where she's like practicing her lines. But then besides that, she has the scene at the end when Michael reveals that he's like, hey, I'm having all of you guys arrested for all of that. Like, that's kind of it. And so I was just being like, what, what, where, what are you guys nominating this based on? Like what? I'm telling you. As an Oscars nerd, she's in there plenty. <laughs> this is an appropriate performance level. I wanted more. Best more supporting Swinton. actress. Give me I, more Swinton. Of course, of course, we always want more. We want more of the character and we want her to secretly be playing two or three other characters. <laughs> <laughs> I, her character, Karen Crowder, she's, she makes her feel so lived in, like immediately sure. to where I think you don't need very much of Karen to really understand her. Uh, you see her like getting ready for this interview where she's taking over as like the head legal counsel for U North is the name of this company. She's like their head, like legal representative within the company. She's taking over for a, a previous boss and she's sort of giving this interview thing where she talks about where the company is going and what her role is going to be. Mm-hmm. And you see her like meticulously lay out like, Every element of her outfit, her hair, put her earrings on, like pick out different blouses and like practice the speech over and over and over again, like focusing on individual lines and phrases, changing the intonation like she's a woman of such precision. But you can see that the precision is driven less by like a passion to succeed and more of a, a fear of failure. Yep. Like she's terrified of what's going to happen if she doesn't pull this off oh the first time you see her we had to talk about the opening of this movie which is just phenomenal all these shots of the legal firm and you don't even recognize like that's what it is quite yet just all these shots of some office building dead of night everything's dark everything's quiet you're seeing just like a a message received button on a, a phone lighting up like hey you've got a message just like in the dead of night nobody's there to answer it just blink blink blinks to nobody and while you're hearing this monologue from arthur and again this is minute one you have no context for anything that's happening you think it's it's late at night everybody's gone home as you go through these different shots of this law firm until you hit on the one conference room where everybody is all hands on deck frantically rifling through papers making phone calls it's just chaos in this one conference room at like four in the morning at this law firm and then when the head boss is like where's karen and then karen is in the bathroom 
sweating, just sweating through this pristine blouse, looking so nervous. We see all this before we see Michael Clayton. For sure. I think you hear his name because Arthur is his Mm. monologue is him leaving a message for Michael to kind of explain what's happening. Um, Because he he knows that like, well, hey, I I just had an episode. They're going to send the fixer my way. So let me at least just Mm -hmm. call him and reassure him uh, of like what's happening. But his monologue is this surreal dream where he's talking about like being reborn and all of this stuff. It's this. Yeah, it's it's a weird juxtaposition of of this like very real scene of this building and zooming in through the window and it's an office but all the desks are empty which almost also feels surreal but it's it's Mm -hmm. so different from what's like verbally being described in this like dream that arthur had um and yeah, then once he's done with the monologue, it turns in that room where everyone is chaos. And then, yeah, the, the first time you see Tilda Swinton, she's in a bathroom stall. And I have to be honest, I had no idea what she was doing in that stall. Yeah. It was really weird to me. I It was one of those things of like, I, is she... Is she masturbating? What's happening in here? Like, because she, because she's, she's breathing yeah, heavily. Yeah, yeah. She's almost having a panic att- 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 attack. Yes. And then you real like, like she leans over her, like her arm is up, uh, and then you mm. realize, yeah, she's like sweated out her 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 blouse. But then another thing to for me to just like be conf- confused about what's happening is not only does she notice it and touch it but then starts like put her hand inside and it was still just this like what are you what are you doing it's just a weird introduction to Mm. the character but yeah it's immediately followed up with her like okay compose yourself practice your lines should i say it like this like that and so yeah I, i i i think like you said it makes a very clear picture of of who she is mm-hmm. um and and it, i mean she's a great in in the role and i think tell this one is an actress that can make something like that stand out with not yeah. having much to go off of right um i guess i'm not really sure what was in the script uh or like what direction mm-hmm. she was given but even if they didn't give her much, I know that she she is of a caliber that is just like, all right, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. I got this. I can make it work. Um, Something yeah. I really like about Karen's character is that when you find out that, yes, there is a memo from t- t- however many years ago when they were developing this one pesticide for these farms that says, Yes, this could lead to potentially fatal tissue damage in humans. If like it's used under these circumstances, if it gets into the water, the farm relies on the water for the for the mm. farmers to drink, etc. Yeah, this could happen, but we believe it is not feasible at this time to uh, put further resources into developing an alternative. Like it's going to be more expensive to fix the problem than it is to it- handle 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just going to say, it's also like that was ju- just the initial study of of like, yeah, yes. we found yeah. evidence of this that it could happen. We haven't fully researched this yet. So yes. Yes. it is that like risk of like, well, it, it, it's just an initial report. It could be wrong, technically. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. Given all the other evidence and all the other like three people from one farm like have died. Yeah. Uh, so when she had nothing to do with that, when she gets promoted into this role and she's learning about all that, she realizes it's like her superior's signature on the form. And you can tell she is sort of like crestfallen that this man she must have respected did that. But yeah. now that she's in his position, she is no she feels she has no choice but to keep pushing forward, like keep hiding it, keep covering it. Like mm-hmm. she has those those two criminals who she sends to like follow these people, spy on them, tap the phones, like make it look like that guy dry, died in a drug overdose or something, like hide, cover everything. Like she didn't make the initial choice to do this criminal thing, but once she learns about it, she she just gets swept up on it. She doesn't make the chance, she doesn't make the choice to turn back and say, "We have to admit what we did." We have to make up for this. She's like, no, just hide, 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 cover, 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 which kind of is what you imagine Michael Clayton's job would be mm-hmm. if he wasn't in this. Like, you imagine this might be something he has done in the past, but he gets involved enough in the situation that he's like, Arthur was on to something like what he said. He had something that could take down you North. I have to figure out what that is. I want to take down you North now. Like, I'm going to sign the paper that says I'll keep quiet and I'll get the money I need and I can live, like, a peaceful life away from all this drama. But I have a backup plan. Like, I still want to take this company down. I can have it both ways. I'm Michael Clayton. Yeah. That's, I I think, also maybe the one thing that is... I, I don't want to say not as well thought out, but I, I just like not as explored as I would like it mm. to be mm-hmm. is like why he finally decides to take you north down. I, I don't ever like I never really felt like there was a true connection for him to be like, yeah, yeah, down with you north. Um, he 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 just kind of. I mean, he's a gambling man, right? Like he, like he's taking mm-hmm. these different gambles on these different things, and so I, I think you can look at it that way, and I think be satisfied um, of of just like, yeah, he's all right. He needs to make a move to get the money to pay off the restaurant. He can do that if he signs the thing with the law firm. But then he has this underhanded thing to like he he ends up like respecting Arthur in a way that I don't think he did before or, um, well, I mean, think he's know. always J- been just like respected Arthur, been a friend to him. I think he yeah. is, uh, very sympathetic and empathetic to the mental conditions that he has. And, you know, well, when you get like this, I know you need some medicine. I know you need to talk to a doctor. Like he doesn't really victim, right. like yeah. vilify the illness. He, he is always supportive of his friend and of his friend getting better. But yeah, he does get to this point where he's like, I don't think this is any sort of psych. There's he has some psychological problems, but I think there is a core of truth to what he is saying. Mm -hmm. Like his passion for this case comes from somewhere. 
Like he does realize he's very aware of how bad some of the situations they're in. Like he knows when his law firm is defending a client who, I mean, of course, like legally everybody gets to be defended. Everybody gets a defense. Somebody has to do it. But he's like, I know this can be really soul destroying to work on a case like that to defend the people who have done these crimes and to spend years of your life on that like he's empathetic to that too and yeah I think he just hits a a turning point where he's like this really tore my friend's life apart Mm -hmm. and like this was his final act the final things he was thinking about was you've done wrong I need to expose you and he's like I'll carry that on yeah because it like it I I feel like the turn really comes once Arthur dies. Yeah. Um, and and he cuz he he's often put into situations that are a mess, right? That's mm. his job. Here. Here's a mess, clean it up. I think the mm-hmm. mess that he is put into is yeah, this friend that he respected just got murdered finds out about this girl this young girl farm girl who's now in the big heady alone scared Mm. like the the mom has or older sister i'm not sure yeah um because the parents died she is like a brother who died and she's like the family member who is representing their farm in in court she's going to those depositions talking about the experiences her family went through after they used that pesticide and then arthur like hyper focuses on her and calls her and says come to new york city like i've got something that can break this case wide open come meet with me yeah and that's when he dies so she gets there and just has no idea what to do or what's happening and so yeah i I think in a weird way he's just being like well this this is a lot more than i expected like i i I need to figure out a way um well (laughs) I need to fix this. <laughs> so I'm just like, well, <laughs> duh, Kyle, he's a fixer. Uh, but I, I think he was affected by it more than he realizes. And I, I think, I don't know, because even with this, the scenes with his kid it, and it, his, it, it's his brother, right? The one who was uh, the drug addict, alcoholic. I don't, I don't remember yeah. which one he is. Um, yeah, that there was his brother. He's got the brother he opened the restaurant with. The brother who's the the detective. I know he is at least also a sister because he mentions it like as part of his his substance abuse problems. The brother like stole a bunch of things from the sister. Yeah. Um. There's one scene that really stood out to me with all of that stuff, and that was after the brother shows back up again. He's like, "Hey, I'm clean." Like I've I've I'm trying to like fix things and make it right. And after he drives off uh, with his kid, he he stops and like has a ch- a chat with his kid. He's like, hey, that's that's not going to be you like you're yeah. not going to turn out like that. And not in a like stern, like I will never allow you to yes. do yeah. drugs way, but in a like. Hey, life doesn't always turn out like that for people. You don't have to be scared that that's going to be you because Mm. you can make your own choices. Um, And you like you now have that kind of as a guiding principle is not the right word, but like an example of of like, Mm. hey, 
if you do make certain choices. That that is a way your life can go. But I think he recognized the, like the emotional toll it was having on his kid and just being like, hey, like, don't you don't need to get scared about this now. You just need to be smart, make good choices like mm-hmm. you can figure this out. Um, and something about that, I think, was a really powerful yeah scene about him and just how he feels with all of these situations i think in the midst of all the stuff that's happening to arthur i think he's kind of going through the same stuff of just being like hey i don't have to turn out like that but i i i need to make choices here i need to make smarter better choices here what is going to be the thing that helps people instead of Mm -hmm just causing this mess no offense to arthur right Um, yeah and i i i think maybe that's where he decides to just be like you know what i'm i'm gonna help this girl i'm gonna help these families it's just a big company it's a corporation right let's just Mm -hmm. take care of it and fix it I really did like the stuff with his family. I think that grounds him a lot. It makes mm-hmm. him feel very relatable. I like the fact that he has like at least three siblings. Like to imagine this guy who seems so solitary, to imagine him as one of like a whole gaggle of children. Like it makes him feel very relatable. You can wonder if he's like, oh, is was he like the oldest? Well, you know, the detective looks older than him, but like. You know, how often was he like cleaning things up for his siblings, you know, or how often uh, was he looking up to them and like trying to help them with things like you wonder, you look at that and you wonder like how has Michael Clayton always been Michael Clayton as this uh, ability and this this drive to like clean things up for people to smooth over bumps to sort of put people's minds at ease. Has that always been there, you know, throughout his whole life as a family man being a sibling and then being a a husband and a father. And I really like his relationship with his son. I like mm-hmm. when we get to see the son's room, like there's a lot of like close zoom in pan shots of just all the stuff in the son's room, which is like, it's what? Melissa, I was not expecting to see Ava unit two uh, in, in <laughs> Michael Clayton, right. but we got yes. a Neon Genesis Evangelion reference in Michael Clayton yes. that I'm just like, yes, uh, what? What is this? <laughs> the kid is such a nerd. I mean, he, you've got stuff that you, whether it's specifically in Ava or it's things that look, even if it's not exactly like that, it reminded me of like, he's got toys that look like Bionicles. He's yeah. got things that look like it's Magic the Gathering collectibles. You know, he's got a PC in his room where he plays these computer games, which is, and this kid is like yeah. nine. Like <laughs> when, yeah, I, yeah. when I say he's got a bunch of nerdy stuff, like I, do, of course, don't mean that as an insult. And I, in fact, mean it as a higher than usual compliment because all the stuff it seems like this kid is into seems like fairly advanced for how yeah. young he is. Yeah, he seems really smart. And he, uh, Michael Clayton goes to like pick him up and take him to school. So they've got like, he makes time to spend quality time with his son. Mm -hmm. And his son is obsessed with the series of fantasy books. And he's like telling, explaining everything to his dad. Like, okay, well, it's this world where it's these different tribes of people and they have these powers and this war is going on and they're in this forest. Lays out the whole mythology. And he's like, dad, I left a copy of the book like at your apartment. Have you read it? And he's like, 
oh, I haven't had time to read it. And it seems like him and his son, like, I think they do love each other. I described it earlier as strained. And I think it's purely circumstantial that it's so strained. Like he makes time so, for yeah. his son. He makes time to see his son, but he has no other spare time to like engage with his son's hobbies. Like he'll listen to his son, but he doesn't have time to learn like in his after hours, like what's an Evangelion? I better Google that. <laughs> yeah. So he just nods like, uh uh-huh. church evangelical. What? <laughs> so he just nods like, okay, yeah, sounds interesting. Like he can't really meet. He doesn't have extra resources in his life. He doesn't have the energy to like meet his son at his level. And of course his son who's like nine has like no idea what his dad does all day. Yeah. So they see each other, they love each other, but they don't really connect on a lot of things. But during the brief times when you see the son, I really like when he, Michael's on that business, Michael Clayton. I feel like we can't just call him Michael. Michael Clayton's on the business trip. <laughs> they, He's they, like siblings they call, call him Mickey, Mikey or Mickey. Right? Yeah. yeah. Which is, again, very endearing to like imagine like strong strapping George Clooney as like somebody's kid brother who they make fun of. (laughs) But like he's on that trip to Wisconsin to where Arthur had that, that breakdown at the deposition and the son calls to just sort of say, hi dad, you know, how's your trip going? This is what I did today. And Michael's not, Michael Clayton is not in the hotel room. So Arthur picks up the phone and then Arthur just starts the scene. Yeah. Yeah. So the son is like, it takes the opportunity. He loves this book. All he wants to talk about is this book. So he's explaining it to Arthur and Arthur's like in raptured, like the mythology, the kid is explaining to him, like feeds into his, his psychological issues. And it becomes like this sort of religious experience for him. It feels truly like mythical where he's like, yes, it's, yeah, it's th- relating to his my journey models. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like, oh, and man, so, the he, he, hero in that book found out some secret and now has yeah. to, like, change the world w- with it. That's me. I can do that. What's this book's name? Let me go read this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes and he gets the book and the book has got like a red cover. It's a weird looking book in that it's very tall and thin. Like, I've got uh-huh. a cocktail recipe book that's that same shape sure, and size. Yeah. This doesn't seem like a novel's form factor. But he it's got like a red cover and like this typeface on the front. And then when Arthur makes he goes to the coffee shop and orders like twenty five, a hundred of these like booklets, these spiral bound booklets full of like the evidence against you north. And it's so funny when Michael goes there. Yeah. It's like, yeah, with like the same red cover and, and everything or, or something uh, like summons that. to conquest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> summons to conquest. Michael Clayton like finds the receipt from the coffee copy shop and goes there and he thinks he's going to pick up some documents. And like, <laughs> it's so funny to me when the kid's like, we've got a lot more boxes of that thing back here. Are you going to be able to pick them up? We read out, we ran out of red paper entirely. I had to make some of them blue. Just the the ordeal that those poor people at like the Kinkos had to go through as like a minor footnote in this entire plot is very funny to me. Yeah. And the you going back to the scene in the car where the 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 uncle who's got the the substance abuse problems like tries to make amends to Michael and Michael like Oh, like, like it hasn't been long enough that Michael's like ready to forgive him yet, ready to believe that he's making real change, and he tells his son 
don't be scared because I know that isn't going to happen to you. It's a statement of like, you have a stronger character than I know your uncle has. Like I know, like at that point in the movie, even from just the little bits you've seen, you really believe him. Like you, they really do establish that son as somebody who seems very intelligent, very thoughtful, very strong willed. Like you can tell he's upset that his dad, uh, sometimes makes time for him, but doesn't make time to like really explore his interests and meet him at his level. Or like one time he picks him up for, they're going to go to a movie and instead Michael Clayton has to run all these errands and and he's like, we're never going to get to the movie. Are we like, you can tell he's upset, but he doesn't uh, like, I think he handles it very maturely. Like he doesn't Mm -hmm. like throw a fit. Like he doesn't act the way you would imagine like another, like eight or nine year old would. Like this kid is smart. He's he's mature. He he does seem like very strong willed and like very self assured. You know who they remind so, me of? What? Uh, the, the kid's name was Jamie, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> character in Jingle All the Way. <laughs> That's who they remind me of. <laughs> he's like so into that one like nerdy thing, yeah. and the father just doesn't really understand it the maybe he wants to, to but just right. doesn't have the time is working late all that stuff yeah but he still just had, like he has a good relationship with with his kid so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i i do really like what they have there i like what it has and like what its shortcomings are and yeah like when michael clayton says those words to his son You've seen enough of the son that you absolutely believe what he's saying. You're like, yeah, Michael Clayton, you're right. Like, this seems like a very good kid. He seems mm-hmm. like he does have a good path ahead of him. Like, it doesn't just feel like a, a sort of parental platitude. Like, it feels absolutely true what he yeah. says to his son. Yeah. Um, I, I also have to give a shout out to the scene where Arthur does get killed. I really enjoyed that. that yes. That scene. Uh, the uh. fixers that you north tends to do the deed. It's just, it's just like this is the action that I was on the edge of my seat for. It was how in sync they were. Yes. Just being like, all right, one, two, three, lift. OK, you t- you turn one, two, three as like as as they steps and they just they had so much precision and practice with all of this mm-hmm. stuff and when they laid him down in the b- b- bathroom there was just a real small detail of like catching his h- head like right before yeah. it fell and hit the ground to make sure he laid down softly even though he's supposed to be dead in a little bit here they didn't want to like wake him up right um mm, but yeah just from from all of that, just all the little small details to how fast they can do it. It's just like this is fascinating to watch. Like what is happening here? Um, yeah, I, I really en- enjoyed that scene there. It's it, that. that's really chilling just to watch the oh, yeah. cold, uh, emotionless precision with which with which they enact this assassination. This this uh, death they're trying to cover up is like a drug overdose or, or a suicide or something and how they stage the the apartment to make it look like that. And it's a nice juxtaposition to Karen who also carries herself with a lot of precision, but you see her practicing it. You see her being scared of what happens if she doesn't pull this off, yep. uh, you know, juxtaposing it's her two fixers who just, it seems like everything is easy for them. 
Like they've yeah. done this so many times and they operate so much in the shadows that yeah. they're they don't they don't have the sort of public relations terror that Karen has. Exactly. Um also Melissa, we have had the large bag of groceries on our bingo <laughs> list for so long. There's been one or two instances yeah. where I'm I'm like, I think we got it. And when you've been like, no, I think this one without a doubt fits because usually it's like a tall baguette that is the thing that yes. indicates right like what it is this is just a bag of nothing but baguettes right. in here right? this makes up like for all baguettes. of last year <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i was just i just want to see one baguette or like celery stalk sticking sticking out of a yeah. paper bag to prove that there are groceries in the bag and it, yeah i it's just nothing but baguettes i still don't totally understand what he's doing like as part of his his psychological breakdown, Arthur just it, also though. has a fixation on these baguettes. Yeah, I like, and, and it's hot too. It's not like he went to like Walmart oh, and got yeah. the like prepackaged ones that, that are there. He went to a bakery and just like, give me all your baguettes, God, <laughs> and just all baguette. of them. I, I I just want to buy the store out of baguettes. God. Uh, we gotta have we gotta have baguette day on the podcast. We'll watch something French. We just both slowly gnaw on our own baguettes as the podcast goes on. Man, yeah, that that was a, a a really funny scene though when he just has his bag full of baguettes. There's mm-hmm. like thirty of them. It's like, what are you doing, Arthur? <laughs> you got nothing know. else. Because then. When when they open up his refrigerator, uh, when he g- 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 when Michael Clayton goes like in the apartment there, he has like a bottle of champagne and two mm-hmm. glasses and so- something else in there. But it's something like you can't eat that. It's like it's a condiment. Right. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> just, it's, it's something like that. It's just like, what is he doing with that? And then 30 baguettes. I I like the touch of the 30 baguettes because it's it's funny, but it isn't like so preposterous. Like I said, I, I don't know uh, Arthur's situation very well, but this movie does seem like it's got some uh, respect and empathy for whatever his psychological condition is. And like all of his coworkers are very understanding, like nobody's ever like, oh, Arthur, that kook, like they feel kind of bad that that happened like not just oh yeah. no now our case looks worse they're like i mean he, we, we gotta he, get arthur back on his feet not just for the case's sake but for our friend arthur's sake yeah i mean it, it's a high profile case it's a high pressure uh mm. job that he he had it's it's i think it's pretty safe to say a job like that i'm sure people suffer panic attacks or yeah crises all the time there so i i don't think they're unfamiliar right with Mm -hmm. like even if he's not someone that has a history of like mental issues or instability um right just just the idea of someone breaking and like just Mm. getting to a point where they they're just like that's it i've had it like yeah screw this um and they also established that his wife is dead and he's sort of estranged from his daughter and she's like off living or traveling in Europe. So he really has nothing to bring him home. 
Like he doesn't have any him. reason yeah. not to spend like all weekend at the office. And he he mentions early on that like one of the big partners there at the law firm came to him celebrating like we've hit 25,000 billable hours on this case or whatever it is. It's some huge number. And he t- and they take him out to celebrate and they, they get him a sex worker. And he says like, while uh, th- this lady's going down on him, all he can think about is those numbers. And he's doing the math in his head. And he's <laughs> like, I've spent like 10% of my life defending this company who I know has done something bad. And like that just shatters him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's in the middle of a crisis for sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, which I wasn't expecting. It. Like when we last week, when I read the like Google result, like basic summary for Michael Clayton, it seemed like, uh, like when the, the part, like when the lawyer from his firm who's representing this big case suffers a breakdown, Michael Clayton has to step in and then he has to make the choice, like, you know, do I do what's right or do I do what's going to get me money to pay off all these debts? Like it, the the fact that somebody had a breakdown and Michael Clayton had to step in was like just it seemed like it was just introductory setup. Like I wasn't expecting us to spend so much time on who was this man? Mm-hmm. Why did he break down? How did he break down? What is Michael Clayton going to do about it? Not just as an employer, like a fellow employee is to step in, but like as a friend, like how does he help that man? Like they put a lot on that that I, that I was pleasantly surprised by that that was such a large aspect of the movie and again I was expecting like Michael Clayton goes to court you see him like sitting on the stone steps outside the courthouse you know like fist to his chin staring out at the skyline like what do I do longingly do I do looking right, at that lady, lady justice lady? yeah yes right. I was expecting that I wasn't expecting help this me whole, Matt like, Murdock <laughs> I wasn't expecting this like shadowy like just convoluted uh, plot line that it has where like I said he's barely a lawyer there's no like courtroom scenes just yeah. law exists as like the setting against which all of this happens. Another detail I really like is that uh, Michael Clayton was a very successful lawyer, you know, worked mm-hmm. in like the DA's <clears throat> office, all of this gets hired onto this firm and they realize he's so much better at being the sort of yeah, under the table fixer that like, that's what that's all he does for them. And like, he's not a partner. He's been there for 17 years and they talk about, he isn't a partner. He's just listed as, special counsel and he talks about how he's like his position is so shadowy and deep background and under the table that he like doesn't really have any clout if he tries to leave and go anywhere else because like he hasn't been established as a partner like he is not at the level that he should be professionally mm-hmm. by you know that time in his life they've just been having him do like all this secret background grunt work that's like not adding up to anything that looks good on a resume. And that's why he started that restaurant with his brother. Cause he's like, I need a backup plan. If one day I just get burnt out and just can't do this anymore, I need something else that I can go do. And then that like goes belly up in his face. And, and then he has to resolve that while still doing all the secret background grunt work for, for this law firm. And I like that. That's one of the things he brings up to them. Like I, you guys have kind of trapped me here. Like, I can't mm-hmm. go anywhere else because I don't have anything professionally to show for myself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
something else that I wanted to talk about with this is despite Tilda Swinton being in in there as the best supporting actress, um, it, it this movie unfortunately did kind of feel like a boys' club. Hmm. There's not many women in this, and when you do see them, they're not there for very long. Um, mm-hmm. Just something I noticed with yeah. watching it. I don't really have much else to say on it than <laughs> yeah. I noticed. But uh-huh. um, yeah, I, I, I still really, really enjoyed this a lot. Um, what was interesting to me is I... I so at the start of the podcast, I mentioned that a number of podcasts that I listened yes. to was mentioning this. I fi- I finally figured out why this was a thing, why people were mentioning mentioning this movie um, of Michael Clayton in recent months. It's mm. by Tony Gilroy, uh, who also recently did Star Wars and or. Um, yes. And I was like, that's. That's it. That's why yes. they're talking about, about this. Yeah, I just didn't put it together months ago uh, when they were t- talking a bit about it. But we finally watched Michael Clayton, and I'm glad we did. It, it was yeah. good. Yeah. Sure. I know this was Tony Gilroy's like he'd been a writer for some time. He wrote all the Bourne movies, yeah, w- which I too, didn't know. Which I don't think I fantastic. I didn't realize those were all written by the same person. I've, I've seen as much as I love James Bond and Mission Impossible and all these. I saw like the first born once. Like that's like the last we'll bastion of like big, fr- like big espionage action franchises. I don't know anything about. Eventually I'll have to watch all the Borns. But yeah, this was his directorial debut. I think it's pretty strong. I, I like that the movie is relatively small. I think it doesn't try to to do too much for a directorial debut like like i i there truly is something i think is a benefit of this movie that we don't have these like giant like dramatic courtroom scenes it's all very small and very quiet it's like people looking at a piece of paper and signing a different piece of paper that are like the most dramatic turns in the movie yeah a little boy talks about a fantasy novel for 10 minutes (laughs) <laughs> this is what's important in Michael Clayton. He has yeah. to go to his dad's birthday party. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. Uh, another sh- like scene that really stood out to me was the horses. When when yeah. Michael Clayton gets out of his car and sees these three horses kind of up on this hill and he walks up to them and they're a little bit spooked a little bit startled and he he kind of calms them down he's sitting there what do you what was that okay the horses are in of that scene the horses are in that fantasy novel like his son left a copy of that book at his apartment he goes home like finally at one point deep in the movie like buried under all his mail he doesn't have time to look at he sees that book and he flips through it and that's one of the illustrations is like uh, some horses on a hill. Mm. And so when he's driving home from that one sort of example gig, he has the beginning of the movie to sort of smooth over one of his firm's clients, like had a hit and run in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like he, uh, like one of his coworkers calls him in like, 
one of our top clients just hit a guy like go over to his house, do what you can do. And he goes over there and he, it's sort of an interesting case where there's not really much he can do. Or like he sets the guy up with other resources and the guy's like, aren't you going to help me? And he's like, oh, I'm not a trial lawyer. That's not what I do. I'm here to do this. And then he's driving home. And at this point, it's like barely dawn. It's like five in the morning. Like there's just like a little bit of sunlight cresting over the hill. He's in like upstate New York where there is more countryside. And he just sees Mm -hmm. these three horses standing like silhouetted against the dawn sky on top of this hill. And at first you're like, oh, that's just a beautiful kind of striking image. I can tell that this man's life is chaotic, you know, this early, like 10, 15 minutes into the movie. He gets out. He goes to approach the horses. I saw them. It's just like this must represent like peace to him or something. Peace or wonder, just like a connection with the natural world he doesn't have anymore. And then as he's up on the hill, like kind of trying to pet the horses, like his car (laughs) explodes. And then it's like cut to white screen four days earlier. (laughs) Like that's how this movie starts. I'm like, wow, what kind of ride are we going to be on? It's a great scene. And then late. And then I love a movie that shows you stuff and then doesn't contextualize it for you until much later. I love whenever any story does that. You you see that that's an image from the book and his kids been talking about this book. Arthur's been talking about this book, like convinced, like this is real world mythology. He is part of the myth. The myth is mm-hmm. him and this you North case and everything. So Michael sees the horses and he's like, I, it's like a, a, a uh, an omen for him he's like am i on the right path I am i doing the right thing (laughs) (laughs) it reminded me of the end of fantastic mr fox when he when he sees the wolf in the distance and him and the wolf just like fist pump at each other (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 i that scene was interesting to me because when you first another george clooney he is fantastic mr fox he sure is at least twice in movies, he has seen an animal from far away and had a connection with that animal. Well, so uh, that scene for, for for me was interesting because when you first see it, it yeah, you're not really given context mm. about like why he stopped or or stuff like that. Because you don't see that illustration in the book until later on in the movie. Um, but that's also something that I didn't catch. I, I, I didn't catch that picture being in in the book and making that kind of Mm. connection i think there was a line in here it may have been it may have been when he was talking to the dude at the restaurant and them just being like well what are you gonna do after this or once you get done with all of this Mm. I, i think he had a line about being like i would love to just have a farm and mm. go somewhere and so i th- i think like i'm wondering if him just seeing these three horses out in the middle of nowhere was just this like you know what let me just stop f- for a yeah. second this is something i love this is a dream of mine that i've always wanted let me just go stop and pet the ho- horses right because why not and then all of his stuff Wee. blows up literally um, yeah but i like i also it was an interesting scene for me because I, again, I'm trying to put details to get together in my head. I don't know if I'm remembering these correctly. It also may not have been Michael who said something about the farm. It may have been Arthur who said something that he had one um, or he used to live on one or something or that's where he would like 
Why don't mm. you go retire to your farm or, or something mm. like that? For a while, watching this movie, I was still tr- kind of trying to figure out what was going to happen, if there would be some kind of twist or something like that. And when we get the opening scene of that one dude who that had the hit and run, like, I hit someone, what are you going to do about it? And then immediately afterwards, we're shown this character who has a psychotic mm. break. I was like, what if that's the guy he hit? Like, what if Arthur's now dead? Oh, yes. And like, yeah. hit him somehow. And yeah, so like, I, I was trying to put all that together. It's not what happened at all. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that was just, it was in, it's an interesting structure of the story of how to because it it, yeah it really does start getting your brain working and being like what's happening here why did michael get called in if he's not the right guy for the job here what does he do why did he stop what was that explosion what is happening here right it's just yeah it's non-stop just just being like but what what this is wild. What is going on? Where it am is, I? It is, it's so funny to describe this movie as nonstop when it's just sort of quiet adult conversations. <laughs> it, re- it really is. Yeah. I think this truly represents age and maturity for us as as like 32 year olds that we're looking at this fairly dry legal drama like we are on the edge of our seats. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Um. Yeah, I, besides that, though, I don't know if I have too much else to say. Do you have something else? I want to talk about the final scene where after cool. he yeah. uh, approaches Karen outside, she's at like some big, there's some big conference meeting of like all the shareholders or like all the board of directors of UNORTH. And she's giving him this deal where it's like, it is time for us to just settle out of court. Because if we pay something now, that's good. She's like already scared. Like this information is going to get out. We're gonna have to pay up big time. Let's settle out of court now End the thing. And this is going to be cheaper if we do it now. So she's like proposing all this to the board of directors. Then she like steps outside while they deliberate. And Michael's waiting for her. Michael Clayton is the full name. Michael Joseph Clayton. <laughs> Michael <laughs> he, like, back the dead Clayton. <laughs> he like offers her this deal. Like, I know what you're up to. I need you to pay me off. I need like $10 million. She's like, yes, yes, whatever you need. Like, she's so scared about anything getting out about what's happened and what mm-hmm. she's covered up. And then he's just secretly been like recording this. And then his detective brother steps out like, aha, it's us, the police. We caught you, which is is satisfying, even Thanks, though it is, rather, <laughs> it is rather simplistic that he's just like, ah, I was secretly recording you. Like, it's not particularly inventive or clever or uh, I use this one legal loophole and I caught you. It's just, I turned on like the recorder on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still a powerful uh, moment. He shouts, I am Shiva, God of death at her. I love that. And then he gets in a cab and the final shot of the movie is just him kind of at rest, knowing a job well done has been done in the back of this cab. And I don't even know where he's going. Maybe he's going to go see his son or whatever. He has no goal. He he, he found the like coupon for the, the taxi service or, or something in the book. And he hands that to the guy and he says, give me 50 bucks. Whoa, whoa, earth. And he was like, 
where to? He's like, just go. Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, just go. I just need to get away from this. I just need to escape Michael Clayton. <laughs> and then it says Michael Clayton, directed and written by Tony Kilroy. The entire, like, before, like, the big black and white scroll of the credits, it's just holding on George Clooney's face as he takes a cab ride. I love it. Uh, yeah, that this was a great one. I'm I'm glad you reminded me of of this because I, I I also loved this last scene here as the credits are rolling. It it almost felt like Inception to me the the like spinning top at the end and you're just waiting for it to wobble or something right um, and it because it, it like it stays on his face. And Clooney does like some incredible acting just in this yeah. one scene where he does. He was nothing. he was nominated uh, to talk briefly about, you know, Tilda Swinton won. But the other nominations the movie got were best picture, best director, best original score for James mm-hmm. Newton Howard, best original screenplay, best actor for Clooney and best supporting actor for Tom Wilkinson as Arthur. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like the, the, the camera's just sitting on, on him and it's mm-hmm. some incredible acting by, by him when he's just doing nothing. Like he's yeah. just sitting there. He's expressionless. He's not smiling. He's not just like, Oh God, sigh of relief. Like now I can <laughs> go read that book. My kid capes whining about and all, what the fuck is neon evangelical. <laughs> God. Uh, let me fix that. <laughs> um, like, like he's just sitting there j- expressionless, but not in a like cold, unfeeling yeah. way. Like uh, I'm like I'm str- like I'm trying to read into it to be like, is is he almost smirking? Is is he does he feel good? Does he feel a sense of relief? Like I'm I'm still just like trying to be like, g- Give me something else. Like, what is happening here? What what's go 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 g- going on in this scene? Even though nothing is happening, uh, which is wild. I was just like, oh, it's, so good. And I that is this. that is satisfying to see Michael Clayton just not doing anything. Like he yeah. has earned these couple minutes of just rest of of not even peace, but just neutrality. Yep, <laughs> he just gets to be nothing. And let somebody drive him around for 15 minutes. In uh, that way, it is a very satisfying ending. And it's very, th- the ending was so funny to me because last year there was a horror movie called Pearl that ended uh-huh. that same way, with just, it, of course, in a much more intense manner, just like holding on the lead actress's face. It's just Mia Goth staring straight at you through the entire run of the end credits. Going, growing increasingly oh, more uncomfortable. This, it holds cool. on her like for that. like ten solid minutes. Pearl is a prequel to the movie X. Kyle, I need you to watch both. I, of you've, them. I've told you, mentioned them. Yes, I, I am. Familiar I've told you before. You need to watch X. Yeah, I have, I have that, and then that Sunshine movie. Right? Is that what it's Sunshine. called? Sunshine. Yeah. Sunshine. Yes. To watch that that one too. So yeah. <laughs> All right, let me see here. I have uh, Bingo pulled up and ready to go. Uh, if you want to move on to that. Let's see here. I can pull it up on screen. Everyone can see. Okay. Uh, still no bingos yet. Melissa, you're getting close. 
Um, I'm not as close. Still have things a little bit scattered, but let's see here. Um, unfortunately, no courtroom scene. Yeah. We just have depositions. Like, there's not a judge anywhere. Nobody is a gavel. Yep. Um, not really a magic book. No death by electrocution. Kyle, I would kind of count this for magic book. It's not literally magic, but the fact that one of the, that Arthur looks at it and believes that it is, that it is this like religious tome of truths of prophecy. I would give you magic book. Yeah. Especially because that's a good argument. I, I think I was thinking of it more of like, this is a book of spells. Right. This is the dark hold. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's it's not as if if this was happening in a story that had some actual magic in it, whether it was magic realism or it was a fantasy or sci fi book, maybe not. But the fact that this is happening in a legal thriller or a fantasy novel that one of the characters believes is true is a major plot point like that. That makes it so magical in its context. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll 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 do that. I think that is a good argument for for why this book was magical. <laughs> uh I don't think we got a foe waiting in shadows to talk. And did we have a conspiracy board? Did Arthur have a full-on conspiracy board going? Not that I remember. Okay. Well, I don't have anything that I don't think so. More lawyers are more like here's boxes of uh, right. Documents. We don't have a a, tr- a truth box. We almost got cow. Instead, we got horses. I could have had three that. horses. Don't equal right. one cow. <laughs> I um yeah. If if Michael Clayton was waiting in the shadows at the end, there we could have counted that. But I it's. I, I don't feel like it's in like it's that's a tough one because that's like almost the scene. It's just not yeah. the like if that was like in her apartment, right? Or her hotel yeah. room and he's he's waiting there. I think we could have counted that, but he's in a big public space, right? In in this like convention center or wherever they are. Um but yeah, almost. Almost. Um, I think that's kind of it. Yeah. I didn't get anything else besides that. So. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, well, there you go. That is our bingo update uh, for Michael Clayton. Um, and that's about that. Melissa, let's move mm-hmm. on to recommendations. <laughs> People like to this. What else might they enjoy? The opening scene of this movie where you're just seeing that office building in darkness in like the middle of the night being very empty. That's a lot like the climax to the movie Collateral. Mm. Do you know Collateral? I remember it. I think I've seen it, but I don't remember. Michael Mann's Collateral where Jamie Foxx plays a cab driver in L.A. and Tom Cruise gets in. And it turns out Tom Cruise is an assassin. I haven't seen that one. And he just sort of commandeers, just sort of takes Jamie Foxx hostage. Like, you're going to drive me around to all these assassination missions I have to do today. 
And at the beginning of the movie, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith got into Jamie Foxx's cab. She's a lawyer. They t- mm. they kind of had a flirtation. She left her business card. And at some point in the night, he like he calls her and uh, Tom Cruise ends up going there, like trying to, to target her, trying to kill her, I think. But like she's working on some huge case, like it's the middle of the night. She's there in like the firm's like law library. There's like hardly anyone else around. And that's where they have this big final action scene. This is like deserted law firm in the middle of the night. So if you want that very specific scenario again, watch Michael Mann's Collateral. Uh, there the, you go. Uh, I know largely his debts did not come from gambling. He was, he'd resolved his gambling issues mostly and was only returning to them as a last ditch effort to try and get that money. Mm-hmm. But you p- throw anything with like, uh, I've got debts to pay. I'm playing all these cars. I have a lot of irons in the fire. I'm going to have to recommend Uncut Gems, a personal favorite. Yes. I yep. love the chaos was, of Uncut Gems. That was going to be on my list of recommendations. Mm-hmm. He's not, I mean, he he's kind of making a deal in this one, but it's that like tense nature of like, all right, I'm in a situation and I need all the parts to like yeah. fit in this puzzle of... I need to make a deal or I need to fix it or I need to do it. Yeah, that, that's that's a great one for sure. I would also finally recommend the George Clooney movie Up in the Air, which okay. came out in I think 2009 or 2010. And he plays a a man who's like a professional sort of liaison for companies. If you're like a huge, like high power company you need to fire some high power person in a situation mm-hmm. that's possibly going to be like very sensitive or very inflammatory. You hire George Clooney and he will handle that for you. He is it's kind of a Michael Clayton like character, but he has to be a lot more of like a charismatic, like smooth talker, soft skills guy just to sort of cushion the blow when companies need to deliver very bad news. Sure. And he has to fly all around the country, all around the world doing this job. And the movie is called Up in the Air because he's spending all his time on these flights and he's getting close to this like platinum membership. And he's like only like 12 people in the world have flown as much as I've flown with this airline. Like I'm almost there. And you you see him go home to his apartment. His apartment is empty. There's nothing there. He's got the like one mustard in the fridge and like a can of beer, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like his personal life is just empty. He lives for this job. He lives for the thrill of chasing the incredibly exclusive platinum membership. Um, uh, This movie is notable to me because one of the airports he flies through is Lambert International Airport in my own St. Louis. They filmed in St. Louis. And for those couple weeks in 2009, it was like you were hearing about possible Clooney sightings from like, your friend's brother's girlfriend's aunt who works at a bar near the airport. <laughs> like, like we were truly a hubbub with possible cryptid sightings of George Clooney. There you go. There you go. So I've got a personal fondness for that movie. Uh, I, yeah, I, re- I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters like 13 years ago, but I remember being pretty good. I'd like to watch it again. Cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I think I would also add in a completely different occupation, but uh, the bear on net on, on Hulu 
Um, oh, it's yeah, yeah. It's about uh, these brothers. One of them passes away, uh, and then the other, the next brother, has to kind of step up and take over the restaurant that they all worked at. Uh, but they are just struggling. And it is it's that same like hecticness of uncut gems of just like we have this many orders that we need to get done, like yeah. all of this stuff. And it's just in it takes place in the back of a kitchen and there's dr- drama and all that stuff. I've seen most of the show. I haven't seen all of it. I've actually seen the like second half of the, the show. It was mm-hmm. phenomenal. I've seen the end. Great stuff. I don't feel like I need to go back and watch the start to understand what mm. happened, but uh, <laughs> and, and, which is, I guess, a good thing that it did a good job of like cluing me in, even though I like jumped in halfway because my partner was watching it. Um, but yeah, that that was that that was phenomenal. If 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 you like the just the tension and chaos of jobs like that i think this is one to check out and has a very good story too um nice i i do like tales of professional chaos yes i just want to see a real rowdy movie where i learn about how another profession goes (laughs) like learning about the jewelry business and uncut gems yeah yeah um yeah, I, I'd put that stuff on there. If you guys haven't seen the Bourne movies, go check those out. I, mm-hmm. I know um, I, I think the the one the Jeremy Renner one was yes. not super well received as it came out um, in, in a similar way to how Tokyo Drift was not well received when it mm-hmm. came out because it left the original characters. Yeah, and was like, we want the original characters back. Um, but I've, I've, I've heard some people be like, Hey, actually, actually that one is pretty good too. It's just, yeah, you just, it's new Mm. characters and stuff like that. Um, but the Bourne movies are fantastic. I did really, really enjoy Andor, uh, this last year that is now up there. And as one of my favorite television series Mm. of all time, um, I think it, treats your audience it it treats you watching the show uh just as smart as as this michael clayton movie does it shows you exactly what it needs to show you uh all of the uh like because i mean it's a it's a star wars show so it's about rebellion and fighting the empire and stuff like that in a way that other Star Wars shows like haven't been as explicit about like mm. this is just on another level and the history that it it pulls in from the stuff that they are doing to the the, the locations that they are filming in and stuff that like it's all places that are rooted in rebellion and fighting against oppression uh, and stuff like that. It's it's a neat. There's just a rich hi- history uh, there. And yeah, Tony Gilroy did some amazing stuff with that. Um, but yeah. Nice. Those, those would be my recommendations. Go check those out. Go check those out. Well, that being said, Melissa, I, I have my pitches ready for next week. Awesome. Um, I, I mentioned... <laughs> To you while we did the little housekeeping thing that I actually had a hard time 
trying to decide what I wanted to pitch. I have so mm. many, many like different themes in the works or like I want to do this or I could do that yeah. one, but maybe I'll save it for a couple months down the road and this and that. So I ended up back on some comics. Um, OK. And these are all comics uh, for for uh, recent or upcoming superhero projects. Um, OK. So pitch number one is the astonishing Ant-Man. Uh, this is written by Nick Spencer. Um, and there is a, co- a a complete collection available on Comixology Unlimited uh, that bundles it all up into one nice big package. Um I, I think if I'm not mistaken here, there's let's see, six, there's about 18 issues of that because there's they do like a one through five like mini series, an annual, and then like an extra thing, and then the main like one through 13 series. Um, okay. Here on 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 that, so it's maybe a little bit bigger than we normally read, but that's the entirety of the series. Okay. Um, and this is astonishing. The Astonishing Ant-Man by Nick Spencer. Uh, And it it says, one tiny hero, one giant action-packed book. Scott Lang was a down-on-his-luck, divorced ex-con until he stole Hank Pym's prized or or size-changing suit to save his daughter. Since then, Scott's life has been a roller coaster. But will he continue to be a hero or return to his former life of crime perhaps both scott has his hands full with new business with a new business some questionable employees and a teenage daughter who was once an avenger herself Uh, then there are villains like the power broker and scott's arch Mm. enemy darren cross plus the female beetle um will she be Friend, foe, or something else entirely. Whatever happens, there are many trials in store as Nick Spencer's entire fast, furious, and fun Ant-Man run ah. is collected between two covers. Okay. There you go. Pitch, pitch number one. Pitch number two. Shazam and the Seven Magic Lands. This is also wow. available on Comixology Unlimited. Uh, and this collects issues one through 12 um, of, of the thing here. OK, um, it says uh, in these stories, after a stop at the mysterious subway location of the Rock of Eternity, source of his mighty powers, Shazam and his foster siblings take a trip to a series of magical lands and the including the fun lands and the Wanzerder land. I don't know if they said that right, Uh, but these dreamlike fantasy worlds hide a nightmarish reality as the young heroes must face the tyrannical King Kid and try to avoid (laughs) being fed to hungry tigers. I'm just picturing King Bob from Recess, the sixth grader who sits on top of the jungle gym. (laughs) I'm King Kid. Um... (laughs) Yeah, I, I've I've not read very much Shazam comics. Um, back when DC did their New Fifty Two initiative, uh, there was some Shazam backup stories in the Justice League book, and those were written by Jeff Johns. 
Uh, this book here is also written by Jeff Johns and is kind of a continuation of that. Um, however, the the the, the first Je Jeff Je Johns book that I mentioned is basically just the origin story. Um, so I I felt we could kind of just skip the origin story and go straight to let's just go on an adventure mm. with Shazam. Yeah. Um, especially since uh, Jeff Johns' origin story was kind of more in line with the movie a little bit. Okay. Um, it, 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 it was more of an update on, on things. Um, so yeah, Shazam and the seven magic lands 12 issue series. That's pitch number two. And last but not least, this is called blue and gold. From DC Comics. Ah. Uh, this is about Blue Beetle and Booster Gold here. Uh, it says, desperate to regain the spotlight, Booster Gold looks to attract the public's and the Justice League's attention the same way any washed-up second-rate hero would. Social media. <laughs> uh, the not-so-tech-savvy hero from the 25th century enlists the help of his best friend blue baby beetle who possesses both the money and the brains to help his old pal navigate the scary world of internet influencers watch out evil doers our heroes are live and online but little do they know an alien assassin seeking revenge places blue and gold in their cross hairs uh the the omnison never misses don't miss Dan Jurgen's triumphant return to Booster Gold with the help of all-star artist Ryan Sook uh, telling a tale filled with heart and maybe even redemption for DC's two favorite underdogs. Uh, this c collects blue and gold one through eight. Um, oh. And while this is not available on Comixology Unlimited, um, you can buy it on Comixology and uh, it is, of course, available on the DC Infinite app if you want to read it there. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Good stuff. So pitch number one, The Astonishing Ant-Man. Pitch number two, Shazam and the Seven Magic Lands. Pitch number three, Blue and Gold. These are interesting. I I would have picked Ant-Man, but it's a little long for us to read in a whole week. Sure. Maybe if, you, if this was like a two week span, I could have tackled it. Blue and gold. I'm kind of intrigued by maybe throw that one back on the pile. Like when Blue Beetle comes out later this year. Yeah. I want to go with Shazam. I love the idea of going to seven different magical lands with my time this week. I'd yeah. love to take the, those trips, have a little vacation, go to seven magic lands, see whoever King Kid is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And if, if he sits on top of some kind of jungle gym like right. structure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will be good. And I, I think uh, this is an opportune time to pick uh, the this one yeah. because uh, the next Shazam movie is out, I think, on the 17th. Uh, so yes. This are just in time. Our episode on this will come out just before the movie. Um, so, yeah. Good stuff. I'm excited to jump into some Shazam comics. Should be good. Catch yeah. up with old Captain Marvel here. Uh, so, yeah, 
there you go. Once again, this is available on Comixology Unlimited. If you have a subscription to that, uh, you can also buy it on Comixology as well, or your local comic book store, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but yeah, this will be an interesting and fun one. Mm-hmm. There we go. So now that that's been decided, I think that's kind of about it for our podcast for yeah. this week. So, Melissa, where can the people find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And listen to my other podcast, Saturday Morning Obscurities, show where me and my brother Jams talk about weird old kid shows you feel like only you remember. There you go. Uh, you guys can find me at Yo Kyle Springer. If you'd like to stay up to date with all of the stuff that we do here at The Whatnots, we are at The Whatnots. Uh, so please go like, share, and subscribe. That would help us out a ton. Uh, and of course, if you guys are watching the YouTube version of this, we got some more videos right over there. Go check out one of those. That would help us out a ton. Uh, but yeah, this has been number 244 of the Whatnots Review Show. We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.